Hallelujah. Amen. Well, all right. Oh, sorry, brother. Praise the Lord. Hold on a second. I'm really sorry about that, man. I love you. You know I do, right? Doesn't he have awesome hair? It's awesome. It's amazing. I love it. Can't stop looking at him. Anyways, oh, that's kind of weird. Maybe I can. All right. So, yeah. Praise the Lord. Amen. Welcome to the church. Hallelujah. Check this out. We are in a series right now. We're not in a series. We're actually going through a book of the Bible. We're not going through it exhaustively. We're kind of taking these big chunks and just kind of just gleaning what, what I believe and what we believe here and what hopefully you will discover and maybe already do believe the church needs to know as far as it pertains to uni unity in the church, uh, a firm foundation in the church, a firm foundation that leads us not only back into the church, but outside the walls of the church for God's glory. Amen. And so, yeah, right on, cool. And so today, you know, we're in a second, we're in the, we're in the second installment, if you will, and uh, we're in the second half of uh, Ephesians chapter one. If you want to open up your Bible, you can get there real quick. And uh, yeah, yeah, right on, man. You, dude, we used to do that in the youth group, man. Back when I was a youth pastor, our youth, man, do you remember this, Ben? When we had opened up the Bible, the youth would go. Okay, you weren't there. Yeah, okay, maybe <laughs> the youth would do that. They would go, yeah, all right? It was like, what, right on. And we would, anyways, it was pretty fun. And so this message today, okay, uh, you know, a lot of times we go through some certain points. We have this main point. We have all these different little points that we go through. Today, uh, there, it isn't that there is no point. It's just that there's not a lot of points. The main point is this, and, you know, and here's what I want you to walk away from here with. If, if you don't walk away from here with anything, walk away from here. I'm kind of going to be all over the place today. Uh, maybe, maybe not. We'll just see how it goes. But here's the point that I want you to take home with you, and it's simply this. The church needs to be praying for the church. Are you recognizing the church needs to be praying for the church? And so today, this is a message to the church. All right, this is a message to the church. And if you don't consider yourself, uh, you know, the, the, the church, then uh, you know what, it's a good day for you to be here because you can actually see what we're actually supposed to be about, what we're supposed to be doing. And it's pretty cool. Mm. Excuse me. And so, and this is a big deal because, uh, you know, well, I'm going to explain why it's a big deal because Jesus actually points this out pretty quickly. Um, I don't know uh, if, if you're familiar with uh, the story in the Gospels. Uh, actually, it's in Luke chapter 22. It's, don't turn there because I'm going to throw this up there because we're not going to be here very long. But just let me just illustrate this. Let me, let me pray for us first. Father, we just give you the praise. We just give you the glory. We just give you the honor. Lord, we pray in the name of Christ, Lord God, that help us understand, Lord, what you would have us understand when it comes to praying for your saints, Lord God, praying for your sons and daughters, Lord God, being actively involved in the spiritual life, Lord God, of the men and women who call themselves the church or you even call the church. Help us to recognize the importance, Lord God, and why it is so important, Lord God. We just give you the praise in Jesus' name, amen. So, to set the table, Jesus, uh, on the last night of, um, you know, uh, uh, before the cross, the night before the cross, he's there with, with his boys, right? And they're in that upper room. And, uh, you know, he washed their feet. He's, he's he having the Lord's Supper with them. He's kind of instituting that, that, that whole idea. And... Uh, and he starts talking to them. He says, look, man, when are you guys going to betray me? 
And then even, obviously, man, real quickly, if, if I said, hey, man, one of you guys here are going to betray Jesus. You start looking around like, I bet it's, um, you know what I mean? You know, <laughs> you're trying to figure out who it is, right? Like, I wonder if it's, you know, and, and, I, and I'm imagining it said, it, well, not imagining, the, the word says this is exactly what they started to do. They started just kind of tripping on each other, like, wow, I wonder who it is, right? And then since they couldn't figure it out, they started puffing themselves up. Well, I'm, you know, like, well, who's the greatest? You know what I mean? I mean this process of elimination, who's his favorite? You know, who's doing all the cool stuff? And they started lifting themselves up, and Jesus puts them in check and says, look at me, this is not how we roll in the kingdom, all right? It's not like who's being served by all, but who is serving all. That's the greatest in the kingdom. And he says, look, man, you guys have been with me this whole time, and it's going to be really cool because we're going to end up, you know, when, when we're in the you know, we're in the kingdom, all right, of heaven, look, at when we're there, you know, you guys are going to be in some pretty cool spots, man. And I can imagine their faces, man, when Jesus is telling them, look, it's going to be pretty good for you guys. I can imagine their faces kind of lighting up like, yeah, I know, at least I know it ain't me is going to betray him. So I'm feeling pretty good. And at that moment, Jesus tells Simon this. He says, Simon, Simon, he tells, says his name twice, Peter, actually, he's Simon Peter. He calls him by the name, his former name that went before he calls him Peter. He says, Simon, check this out. Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. Satan has demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. And when it came to the grand opening of the church, I don't know if you remember, Peter was that frontline guy. He was the one to kick it off. He was the one to preach that first sermon. He was the one to get the church mobilized and start, you know, just saying, we're going to keep doing this, guys. That was Peter. So in essence, I mean, obviously he's talking personally to Peter right here. But in essence, I believe that, that Satan has demanded to to have the church that he might sift the church like wheat. Now, Jesus immediately follows with extremely encouraging words. Look what he says. He says, but I've prayed for you. I've prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you've turned again, strengthen your brothers. Look at man, Satan himself is asking for you, bro. All right. And so, and you know, so immediately, I don't know what that does to you. Uh, to, to me, you know what I mean? It's, it's kind of unnerving, but immediately it's followed with the assurance that I'm his. Amen. With the assurance that I'm his, man. And, and, and that's what matters more than anything. And he says, look it, but I've prayed for you that your faith may not fail, that you don't just fall away, that you don't get so hammered, man, that you're just not so inundated with all kinds of craziness that all these things just don't distract you from following me. Is <clears throat> I'm praying that your faith doesn't fail. And he says, and when you're, when you're restored, when you come back, when you get things back, when you're standing back up, I want you to do the same for your brothers. I want you to do the same for the church because they're going to need you. This is prayer in the power. Many times we talk about there's power in prayer. There's power in prayer. I don't know how, uh, how, how entirely true that statement is all the time because we can mislead people and say, all you got to do is pray. It don't matter who you're praying to, just pray. A lot of people don't even know what it means to pray. 
I want to challenge us to, 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 to begin to think instead of there's, 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 power, you know, there's power in prayer, I want to challenge us to pray into the power, the power that already exists, the, the power that raised Christ from the grave, the power of his Holy Spirit that is able to do far more than you could ever think or imagine according to the power that works within you, his Holy Spirit, amen? There is power in that. There, 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 there. Now, that, that's where there's power in the prayer, all right? But here's what I want to challenge us. There is prayer in his power because he said to do this. If Jesus tells you to do something and you do that and you prayerfully engage in that, well, then there is prayer in his power. Then that is in his power. I wonder how crazy it drives God. When we continue to pray for something, he would have us pray in. Think about that. I wonder how crazy it might drive God. I mean, I don't know about God. I mean, I, but it would drive me crazy. And good thing I'm not him because I'd probably wipe, I would wipe, I began wiping myself out. And I mean, because you're not good at this, all right? But I just wonder, man, how, you know, how crazy it could drive him or what should drive him maybe that, that we continue to pray for something that he would have us pray in. You see, Jesus didn't pray for power. He prayed in power. He prayed in power, in the power of his Holy Spirit. He prayed according to his own divine will, divine will of the Father. He prayed in accordance. I'm preaching to the church. Church, are you listening? Let the church, let me just go again one more time. This is a message for the church, amen? Are you listening? Because this is important. Because we forget that the, 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 one, the first work of, 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 of the ministry of the church is to pray in the lives of the church. Jesus sets the example right here. He told him this, man, because Peter's like straight up, like, oh, I'm ready to, to go with you both to prison and to death. Jesus is like, yeah, right, bro. Check this out. Before the sun comes up, man, you're going to deny me three times. You're going to cut and run. It's going to get rugged. Jesus is saying, but I'm praying for you. And on your way back, I want you to do the same for your family. How many of you feel like you may have been to hell and back at one point in this life? Been to hell and back. We called that. I used to have a jacket that said hell and back. All right? I used to call. There was an underground ministry I wanted to start in the church called the hell and backs. All right? You know what I mean? but I realize it's all of us. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> all right? And so, and so I'm, I'm thinking, you know what? It's going to get rugged. Life in Christ is, is not an easy life. We know this. And if you're here, man, and you snuck in for a free show and you don't know anything about Jesus, let me just try to remind you, you know, man, you know, we set you up for failure. We tell all you, you said, Jesus, everything's all your wildest dreams can, can come true. All right? Now, that's only if you vote for Pedro, but if you give your life to Christ, it's going to get rugged. It's going to get real rugged. It's going to get crazy. When you give your life to Christ, I think it was Pastor Justin that said, when we give our lives to Christ, we declare war on the enemy. We declare war on the enemy. We put a target right there on our back. You know, we try his best to make it easier for you to know Jesus. But at the end of the day, you have to know that you know Jesus. 
And we need to come alongside one another and help each other in that knowing and pray with one another in that knowing. Yesterday, man, I'm, I'm hanging out with my granddaughter, all right? Uh, she's four years old, and uh, she's gonna help me take down the above-ground pool. She said, I'm helping you, Papa. I said, well, let's go, all right? And we're out there, and we're, um, uh, you know, and, and she's like, I got this. Give me that, I'll carry And she's doing it. You know, I'm handing her big old, uh, big old pipes and stuff like that, and she's carrying them, and she's putting them in order and stuff. I was like, well, that's one of the best helpers I've ever had, all right? And we're just tearing this thing apart. And then we're like, okay, we're done. And she's like, what are we going to do now? Let's go fix this thing. And she wants to go fix stuff. And, and I said, all right, well, I had this little tray, this little, uh, this little springtime tray that Debbie puts out to put some little springtime tools and stuff for, you know, because we're starting to put all that, that stuff away. And the box was kind of broken. I said, well, we can fix this box. And she says, okay. So I got some nails and we're kind of putting it together. And I'm saying, you hold it right here. She, I'm not really giving her big deals to do. She's just kind of, just hold the end of that box. Didn't need to. And I'm pounding. She goes, I want to put a nail in. I says, all right. So I, I got a nail started, right? And I watched her. And she's trying to, and she's trying, she grabbed the hammer. You know how a lot of times when you grab a hammer, first time grab a hammer, you grab it all the way up towards the top of the neck and right towards the little metal piece. And you're trying to hit like that. And I says, no, honey, grab it towards the end. So she grabbed towards the end. She's trying to hit that nail in and she's just tapping it and just tapping it. And you're feeling like this is never going to happen, right? You know what I mean? <laughs> this nail ain't going anywhere, man. And you're starting to get frustrated, right? And she's just tapping and tapping. And I'm like, ah, uh-huh. and I'm almost giving up, but she's not giving up and she will not give up, this girl. All right, she's like, no. And she just kept going. And sure enough, it started moving and it started going in and it started going in. And then boom. And then when she got all the way around the ground, she's going, pow, pow, pow. And she's like feeling it because she was empowered. All right. But I had to stay with her and coach her because she started doing a couple things like wrong. She tried to hold her, watch your fingers. All right. I've done that plenty of times. All right. And I was like, you almost got this, man. I almost gave up on her. All right. I almost gave up on this whole thing, but I'm glad I didn't. You ever look at other young Christians, people new in the faith, or people maybe been around in the faith, and you're like, man, I just, and you, you see they're going through stuff, and you just kind of hope, and they just stay the course. You ever look at them and you say, man, I just hope they stay the course. All right, and then you ever, you ever watch them kind of fall away and kind of give up, man, and then maybe get discouraged, and then sometimes even get disappointed when they didn't stay the course. Well, I got a question for you, man. What are you doing to help them, church? What are you doing to help them? What are you doing to help them? What are you doing to help them stay the course? What are you doing to, 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 to stand with them? All right? Are you finding yourself giving up before they give up? What do you do? What can you do? Let me just remind you, the most powerful thing that we can do in another person's life is to pray in the power that God has invited us to pray into. The most powerful thing that you can do for me is to stand before the almighty God and have a conversation with him, all right, about me, lifting me up. I, you know what? I've heard people to pray, you know what? You know, uh, yeah, well, well, at least I could pray for you. You know what I mean? Well, the least, it's the least. Uh, people say, what can we do? What can we do now? Like, I pray. Well, it's the least we can do. What else can we do? No, that's the best thing you can do. That's the most powerful thing you can do. If you believe, if you trust, and if you're engaged in that, that is the most powerful thing that you can do. You see, the church needs to be praying for the church, man. If you believe the resurrection 
of Jesus Christ. If you believe that Jesus is Lord and, and you know that I believe, then the best thing you can do is pray to the Father on my behalf. That's it. I don't know if you ever heard of a guy named Charles Spurgeon. Charles Spurgeon was a preacher in the late 1800s. I think it was over in, in London, I believe it was, or somewhere in that area. And uh, had, a, had, a, had a huge, huge attraction to his ministry. People were just coming from all over to hear his preaching. He had this way of preaching that was just reaching the masses. And at some points, and sometimes there would be up to 10,000 people there just listening and listening and hearing the word of God. And then back in the 1800s, that was a big crowd of people to listen to the word of God. And people wanted to know his secret. They wanted to know his secret, man. They're like, well, what is your secret? And my secret? Yeah, why is this ministry so successful? He goes, that's a better question. He goes, let me show you. And he took him downstairs into the, down into the basement, right? Where you would probably think, is this guy gonna kill me? <laughs> you know what I mean? What's he gonna do here, man? And he took him down there and he opened the door to the boiler room. And then there you saw hundreds of people praying on their knees, praying continually, praying. The church needs to be praying for the church. All right? He saw them praying. And, and I love this, this idea because back in Spurgeon's day, steam was the main power source. Boiler rooms were powerhouses. All right? They were the powerhouses that drove everything from, from heating systems to, to large factory machinery. All right? And, and, you know, they weren't the most glamorous places, all right, to be a part of the building, but they were absolutely essential. Spurgeon said this, he said, if an engine room is out, uh, is out of action, then the whole mill will grind to a halt. I want to let you guys in on a secret here. You want a secret? The reason that we're even here today is because the church has been praying for the church. All right? All right? The, 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 if we are to be of any effect in this world, in this community, in your, okay, let me just back up. If you're going to be of any effect in our families, in our friendships, in our workplaces, in our community, in our state, in our nation, in the world, it is because the church has chose to be diligent in praying for the church. That's it. That's it. What if we decided to pray into that power that already resides in you and me as followers of Jesus Christ? It's easy to pray for those who don't know Jesus, right? And we should be constantly praying for those who don't know Jesus. But we should also be praying for those who do so that we can be more effective in the lives of those who don't. You understand? This is exactly how Paul prayed. Ephesians chapter one, verse 15 is our text to begin with. Um, if you have a Bible, go ahead and open it up. If you didn't bring one, you know what? If you got a phone, you got a Bible. You need to just open it up, all right? Um, or else, well, we have it up here. Paul begins with three words in this verse, for this reason. For this reason, what reason? What we talked about last week, 
because you have realized, as he shared with us in Ephesians chapter uh, 1, verse 3 through 14, as he shared with us that, 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 that God had eyes on you way before you had eyes on him, right? That God had eyes on you way before you had eyes on him. And that because of that, we have been established by the blood of Jesus Christ for the redemption, all right, of our souls, of our, of our, of our very lives. And that, and that in Christ, we, we not only realize who we are meant to be, who we are, but why we actually are. We also discovered that we are, we are guaranteed, we are sealed, we are held in the grip of God's Holy Spirit. And how, how much more effective it is to, be, to realize that, that it is God who has his grip on us and not us who have our grip on him. Because we don't have very good grip. He says, for this reason, he says, because I've heard of your faith, <clears throat> because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, he says, because I've heard <clears throat> that you believe this, that you trust this, all right, that he is king of your life, and because, you know what, I recognize that you love the church, he says, I don't cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, I don't cease to give thanks to you, remembering you in my prayers. Now, here's what I've come to find out, and I have experienced even this on my own. Praying for other Christians is not always easy. It's just not. Praying for other Christians is just not always easy. Why? Because sometimes you just don't like a lot of Christians. Let's be honest. All right? I've talked to Christians, you know, and this is to, this is to our shame. Right, because I've talked to Christians, is I, I like working with non-believers more than I like working with believers. I understand that, man, but it takes the church, not just you. God has made us a family. So what I, I do know that praying for other Christians is not always easy, because especially when you want to be genuine, when you want to pray genuine, when you want to pray breakthrough prayers. Why, yeah, maybe we don't know that we like them very much. And I think most of the time it's because most Christians don't really know other Christians well enough to pray for them genuinely. Most Christians don't really know other Christians well enough to pray for them. If we did, we'd know better how to love them. We'd know better how to serve them. We would definitely know how better to pray with them because we spend that kind of time with them. This is why I believe everybody needs to be part of making the big group small as we join into our community groups and be involved in community groups. This is why they're so important. I love my community group because, you know, every community group we begin, you know, it goes a lot of different directions, all right? But for the most part, every community group, we begin with what we call praises and prayers. Well, we spend time in a circle and we share what have you got to praise the Lord for and what do you need prayer for? And what is amazing is we write these things down, you know, a month from that point or two months from that point, and sometimes even, you know, a few months from that point, we'll realize that our prayers, our praises are something that we pray for, you know, and pray for God's, you know, sovereignty way back here. And now there's just testimonies, amazing testimonies. And we share these praises and we prayers. And then it also, we're challenged to pray for one another throughout the week in these, in these praises and prayers. But some of us do know a lot of Christians and we still don't make it a priority. 
And again, I think it's because we, we're coming up short and what to pray for. We're like, like, we feel like we gotta wait for somebody to get sick before we can start praying for them. That's terrible, man. Do you ever feel like we should be praying for more than just healing from sicknesses? Do you ever feel like we should be praying that, you know, from, for, for more than just you know, deliverance from personal problems and stuff and relationships? Do you ever think like there's just more to pray for in a person's life? There is, man. You know, and Paul, Paul tells us this, man, you know, because he knows that the church should be praying for the church. Look at verse 17. It says this. What am I praying? Okay, let me, let me read verse 16. I don't cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Check this out. What prayer? Verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of him. Are you recognizing those power words that are involved in that prayer? Paul is not praying for a breakthrough in your finances, which is not a bad deal. Paul is not praying for, you know, a quick, quick, you know, he, you know we have some ideas on, 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 or some encouragement on how we should pray for the sick. It's not a bad thing to pray for the sick. We need to be doing this. But, but before all this, Paul says, my prayer, all right, is that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the God, the Father of glory, God of all glory, may give you, may himself May himself give you spirit of wisdom. A spirit of wisdom that God himself may help you recognize through his Holy Spirit how to move on the face of this planet. How to, how, what to do with the knowledge and understanding that you've been given throughout this time on earth. How to act this life out in a living and breathing way. Spirit of wisdom is what you receive from God hitting the ground, boots on the ground, and living out in everyday life. The spirit of wisdom and the revelation, the revealing knowledge of him. Does anybody here know God enough? Anybody here? I do. I don't, no, you don't. <laughs> no, you don't, man. And we will never know God enough. I don't even know if we'll know him enough when we're there with him. I think I'm going to be real annoying to God when I get there. Will you stop? All right, all right. <laughs> no, wait, 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 wait. No, no. <laughs> He says, I pray that, this is just the beginning, check this out. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of all glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and the revelation of knowledge of him. These are huge power words. Having, check this out, look at verse 18. Having the eyes, the eyes, okay, wait, what? The eyes of my heart enlightened. Okay, wait a second, what does that actually mean? You know, how many times do you just see things with your heart? You just feel like, you know what, ah, you know, and, 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 then, and then like you see things that, that your eyes don't see. All right? How many times do your eyes trying to look at stuff that your heart ain't feeling? All right? A lot of times there's separation between what our heart sees and what our eyes see. And God is saying right here, he says, praying, I'm praying that, that the eyes of your hearts, all right, that there would be a connection of mind, heart, and hands, head, heart, and hands, all right, that, 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 that they would be enlightened so that what? So that you may know, so that you may know 
so that you're not walking around ignorant, so that you may know, so you're not walking around not knowing, not coming short, like I just give up, I can't know this. No, man, he, we can know this. What, what is the hope to which he has called you, the church, what he has called you, what he has called me, what he has called we, all right, the church, all right, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? There's so much packed here. This big, big prayer can never just be prayed one time. He's literally saying, I want, I'm praying that you would be able to see the way he sees. My prayer for you is not to see the way things I see, but for you and me to see the way things that he sees them. If I could only see you the way he sees you, man, I failed at that. And I wish I could do better. Maybe you should pray for me. <laughs> Amen? And here we go, more power words. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might? immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe. Immeasurable greatness. I mean, we, we, measure, we measure power often on this planet. We're, we're good power measurers, all right? We're good at looking at cause and effect. We're good at trying to figure things out, all right? We're good at trying to check these things out. You know, at one time, back in history, the sound barrier was, was, they, was considered to be unbreakable. Has anybody ever seen uh, an aircraft just break the sound barrier live? It is intense. It's really, there's this sonic boom and there's this big circle that comes around. It's crazy. It's just an amazing thing to witness. Well, there was a time in history when, when they thought that that was just impossible, because they believed that the sound barrier was like an, like an impenetrable wall of air that could not be passed. You see, there were some shock waves that were involved, and at low speeds, no problem with these shock waves. But once you started to, to pursue Mach 1, once you started to pursue this high speed, you know, the speed of sound, those shock waves increase, and they cause the pilots to start losing control of this plane. It was aircraft. A lot of people through the years have tried and literally died. <clears throat> Countries would, would try and give up <clears throat> continually. The one that, that, before we reached Mach 1, I think it was the, the British prototype had a, had a prototype called the Swallow that made it to Mach 0.94 before it just self-destructed and the pilot died. That was just, just, you know, there's, there's a limit to this power. Well, in 1947, I believe it was, I have that. Yeah, there was a guy named Chuck Yeager. And he had this experimental plane called the Bell X-1, and they attached it to the belly of a bomber as it took off in October of 1947, and just, he's just gonna go for it. Right. And what's crazy is prior to that, he was in a horse back riding accident and broke some ribs, but he didn't want to tell nobody because he just wanted to go for this. And so he was already in a little bit of pain. And at 25,000 feet, the bomber cut loose this X-1. 
And it started to just, just, just ascend to about 42,000 feet where it started to just push the limits. It went as high, about, you know, you know, pretty high, and then went higher and started to push the limits. And as it approached Mach 1, it started shaking. It started going crazy. At about Mach 965, this speed indicator started going haywire and it started just getting more and more crazy. And about Mach 0.995, his, his vision started to blur and his stomach started to feel real jacked inside of him. And it just felt like this was just not gonna happen. And, and just as he expected the plane to disintegrate, there was this huge sonic boom, all right? And then there was this crazy. On the other side, what's the most crazy about this? On the other side of this sonic boom, there was this weird silence as he was ahead of his own sound. 761 miles per hour, he reached Mach uh, 1.07. What if we resolved to just continue to pray beyond the barriers of our faith? What if we resolve to say, you know what? You know what? I know it seems impossible. I know this is an impossible prayer for you and for you and for you. I'm not talking about prayers for myself. I'm not talking about prayers for you as an individual. I'm talking about you, the church, praying for the church. What if we decided to say, I don't care what's happening in the world. I don't care what's going on around us in the community. I'm gonna pray because we were made for such a time as this. This is why the church exists, all right? To change the world, all right, to create culture, to bring glory to God Almighty. And what if we decided to push through that sound barrier, that faith barrier with our faith? Amen. The power is already here. The power for this prayer is already here. Look what he says. He says, he goes, let me go back to 19. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might? What power? The power that worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, far above his, his outer space, above every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the one to come. And he put everything under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body the fullness of all, of him who fills all in all. His, his power, his position, and our place. His power, his position was set him far above all rule and authority. He's already up there, man. And we just need to not only break the sound barrier, I believe we need to break orbit with our prayers. And I believe we can do this not only by, by, by trusting the power that resurrected Christ from the grave, that faith, beyond that faith barrier, that that power can not only resurrect Christ from the grave, but it can resurrect his church in the world today. I believe that. But I believe there's even more power. In July 16th, I think I was six years old when I was watching the TV July 16th, 1969. Actually, it was right before my sixth birthday. 
watching the TV. Everybody, almost all of America, pretty much maybe even the world, was glued to the TV sets as, as, as a couple of guys, few guys were getting aboard the Apollo 11. I think it was, um, I have their name, Neil Armstrong. Yes, I remember him. Michael Collins is the one I always forget. And Buzz Aldrin. We're getting aboard the Apollo 11. All right? It was this huge rocket that weighed over 100,000 pounds. And it was carrying over five and a half million pounds of propellant, of fuel. Now, breaking the sound barrier, that's pretty cool. Leaving Earth's gravitational pull, that's another story. You need about seven, I wrote this stuff down, man, seven and a half million pounds of thrust to beat the pull of the gravity of the Earth. You're reaching a speed of about 17 and a half thousand miles an hour. And that just gets you out of the orbit. That just gets you out of the orbit. Shooting the moon, man, that's a whole nother story. That's gonna require 25,000 miles per hour of thrust to get there. Here he is, seated in the heavenlies, all right? Seated in the heavenlies, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, all right? Above all name that is named, not only in this age, but in also in the age to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, our position, the fullness of him, our position, who fills all in all, our position, when we not only recognize the trust, the power that resides in us, but the power of praying God word back to him. Now that is out of orbit prayer, guys. Come on. This is, this is real prayer. Just when you thought you couldn't pray more, you couldn't pray more effectively, you couldn't pray more strongly. I got news for you, man. Yes, you can. Praise the Lord. He's telling us right here. He's telling us right here, man. Praying God's word back to him. I believe is how we escape the gravitational pull of ourselves. We're the only ones pulling ourselves back to the, to the ground. Praying his word into the lives of his church, that's world changing. Why aren't we doing this more? I forgot my card. Do you guys have a card you were given when you came in? Oh, thanks, dear. Oh, 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 I'll give it to you right back. Okay, yeah. You all been given a card right here, right? You all been given a card when you walked in. Uh, the words on this card, this is, this is, the words on this card is, is basically from um, verse 15, and I believe they take us all the way to verse 19. What if we started praying these sound barrier-breaking prayers, this orbit-leaving prayers. How? By trusting in the power of Almighty God that resides in you as a believer and follower of Jesus Christ. And maybe you're here and you're saying, well, I'm not that person yet. I'm not that guy yet. I'm not that girl yet. Well, what's taking you so long? You know you know, man, there's something inside you. You know this is the life that God, that, we, that you were created to live. A life for him that brings him honor, that brings him glory. The life that you were created to breathe into as he breathes out and breathes into you. But church, what if you and I decided to say, okay, 
Let's pray God's word into another believer's life. Let's start praying God's word. What if the church started praying for the church like we're supposed to? And I'm just gonna give you a tool. There's another prayer in chapter three. I've actually combined that, this prayer and that prayer together to pray uh, for people before, and I think it's really huge. Well, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take this right here, this card. And on the back of it, all right, I want you to write the names of five men and women, or men and women, or men or women, or men and women, women that you know love Jesus. I've, I know you're already praying for people who don't know Jesus. A lot of family members I'm praying for and people that I'm praying for. I get all that. I want you to just do this. I want you to pray. Put it on the back of here. Five. One, two, three, four, five people that you know love Jesus. And then, number two, I want you to commit this week. And I would challenge you to commit to, to the end of the year, man. I would challenge you, but you know what? Some of you are gonna lose interest, which um, you shouldn't, all right? I would challenge you, at least this week, and if you could, challenge yourself just to the next four months, at least to the end of the year, to pray. For, man, if you would pray this prayer for those five men and women on the, on the back of this card, I don't know, it's otherworldly prayer. And just put their name in the blank. We've, we've made some blanks right there. Look at that number one. Pray that. Put, put their name in the blank. Look at number two. Pray and put their name in the blank. That's a big deal. The church needs to be praying for the church, y'all. Here you go. Thank you. And at the same time, and at the same time, I'm gonna challenge you the three challenges I left you with, and this is gonna be a standing challenge throughout this teaching of Ephesians. All right, hold on to that. That's your, that's your take on what I just gave you. This is gonna be every week. All right, this, year, this week's text was Ephesians chapter one, verse 17 through 23. That was this week's text. What I want you to do with this, number one, check our work. Read this text over the week this week and, and review what we, what we share with you this weekend and see if it's real, see if it's true, see if we're true to the scripture. And then number two, I want you to check your work. Go to our church app. There's some sermon questions there. Open them up, engage. And finally, number three, trust his work. Your turn, church. Praise the Lord, amen.